Welcome to Notes from Your Acupuncturist, the podcast for anyone who's interested in acupuncture, complementary medicine, holistic health, and self-care. I'm your host, Alexa Bradley-Halsey. If you enjoy this show, you can help other people discover it by leaving a rating or a review, by following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening app, or simply by telling someone about it. And if you'd like to support this show financially, you can become a paid subscriber on Substack for just a few dollars a month. Just head over to substack.com and search notes from your acupuncturist or click the link in the show notes. And one more thing before we get started, just a disclaimer that this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a replacement for medical care from a qualified healthcare provider. Okay, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Notes from Your Acupuncturist. I'm Alexa, and today I am talking with my guest, licensed acupuncturist Lariko Ozeki, about how acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine can help people who are dealing with the effects of long COVID. Lariko has been practicing since 2008, and her practice, Iyashi Wellness, is based in Los Angeles, and she also offers telemedicine services. Lariko specializes in pediatrics and also works with many long COVID patients. She's also developed a vaccine preparedness course to help both children and adults prepare their bodies to receive vaccines, including the COVID vaccine, and to minimize possible immunologic response to vaccines. We'll be talking about all of that today, and I can't wait to dive in. Lariko, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Alexa. Hi. And hi, so listeners. <laughs> yes. Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening. So let's ta- start by talking about how you came to concentrate on working with patients with long COVID, because you've specialized in pediatrics for many years. Correct. And also caring for parents as a way of caring for Correct. children, which yes. is really interesting. I would love to do another episode on that topic because I'm fascinated by it. But today we're going to focus on long COVID. Sure. So did long COVID become a natural extension of your practice? Where Were you starting to see more parents and children with long COVID? No. So what happened was um, in 2018, 2019, I took a Chinese herbal dermatology certification, uh, a year-long program. And in that program, the teacher, Mazen Al-Kafaji, did an incredible job of describing how disease enters the body. Um, And then manifests, in this case, dermatology. But in Chinese medicine, the way how we see disease entering and manifesting, um, whether it's dermatology or colds or flus or, you know, any, any kind of disease, it's a very similar pattern. And so by understanding how skin diseases occur from the very kind of what we say in Chinese medicine, superficial layers to the deeper layers of the body, being able to understand that when COVID hit then in 29, uh, excuse me, 2020, um, I was surprisingly, incredibly confidently ready to deal with COVID. Um, and so when we had to turn into telemedicine, thankfully with Chinese herbal medicine, as long as you can get obviously the symptoms of the patient, what they're you know experiencing in their history. And then in my case, I always ask for a photograph of the of the patient's face and the tongue to help me kind of finalize my re- assessment of the patient. I was able to start prescribing Chinese herbs to both COVID and long haul patients uh, starting in summer of 2020. Wow. Interestingly, yeah, my very first patient was actually my very first COVID slash long haul patient was actually a long haul patient. Um, This patient was one of the very first patients to get COVID in March. 
And mm. even though she had some some relatively strong COVID symptoms, it was the post-COVID symptoms that really lingered for her. And I happened to chime in to my local mom's Facebook Facebook group saying that, you know, I can help with Chinese herbs. Mm -hmm. And so thankfully she took, um, she was willing to trust and kind of go with the flow of the situation. And maybe perhaps she was also desperate. <laughs> right. <laughs> so she she came to me via telemedicine. Uh, do we start as telemedicine? I think maybe at that point I might have been seeing or I, I might have started telemedicine. And then once we stabilized her, she started coming in. And so she was my very first long haul patient. Um, but since then, I've definitely treated numerous COVID patients via telemedicine. Uh, and now that COVID has been around for, you know, three years, I'm starting to get more long haul patients who, who come specifically for long haul, um, uh, whether via telemedicine or in person, or I'm starting to get patients, both adults and children who come for whatever symptom, you know, complaints that they may have. But as I dig into when did this start? Why are you feeling this? You know, how strong has it been? Uh, many times it's COVID that either triggers the symptom that they never recognized it was because of their COVID infection, or it got worse uh, post-COVID. And so then I link it for them saying, look, this is what happened. COVID, you may have had mild symptoms like most people are getting now in the last year or so. Uh, you've had mild or almost no symptom. Like one boy that I'm treating right now, he had uh, almost no symptoms, uh, mm. but he started with headaches and tinnitus ringing in the ears. And so I, I let the parents recognize that this started happening with COVID, right? They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. And so I started treating that. So now I'm getting these patients who don't recognize that it's long haul. Uh, and then I help them recognize it. And I treat it with herbs. Interesting. I, I want to come back to this topic of disease progression, because I think that is a, probably a crucial part of understanding how we treat long COVID or COVID or other types of infectious diseases in Chinese medicine. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that. I want to put a pin in that for right now, and we'll come back to the whole Chinese medicine perspective on disease progression and all of that. Sure. I want to start by just talking a little bit about long COVID in general. This is a new disease. Our understanding of it is evolving. I want to share some basic statistics. It's estimated to occur in at least 10% of severe SARS-CoV-2 infections. And I found an estimate that says it's estimated to affect around 200 million people worldwide. And those numbers are likely higher due to undocumented cases. So that's a lot of Lots. people impacted by long COVID. And you know, whether you yourself have it or maybe you're caring for a family member who has it or you know someone who has it, um, you know, if you're listening to this, per chances are you've personally been impacted by long COVID in some way. Yes. So um, I, I found another statistic that said um, two thirds of long COVID patients require a reduced work schedule or work. Yes working at all. This yes. study was published in The Lancet. I'm going to put links to all of these studies. It's just really, it's has very far reaching effects. It so, really does. So yeah, so right now, this is the summer of 2023. What is our basic understanding of what long COVID is? Okay, yeah, sure. So uh, according to the CDC, first of all, let's define what uh, COVID, a uh, long COVID is. So long COVID is a broadly defined 
uh, long COVID, excuse me, is broadly defined as signs, symptoms, and conditions that continue or develop after initial COVID-19 infection. This definition of long COVID was developed by the Department of Health and Human Services in collaboration with CDC. Uh, so people call long COVID by many names, including post-COVID conditions, long-haul COVID, post-acute COVID-19, long-term effects of COVID, and chronic COVID. The term post-acute sequela of SARS-CoV-2 infection is known as PASC, is also used to refer to a subset of long COVID. And PASC is something you might hear more doctors mentioning or medical literature. Mm. Are there specific body systems that seem to be more affected by long COVID than others? Yes. So long COVID, or let's start even from the beginning, SARS-CoV-2, the, the virus that co causes a disease of COVID-19. Uh, we've now come to understand, and in Chinese medicine, we knew this from the beginning because it's a toxic novel virus, is that it's a, a virus that affects the blood, uh, blood, it's a blood disease or blood level in Chinese medicine. Mm. And so even though most people, when they get COVID initially, they might have the typical respiratory symptoms, you know, cough, cold, fever, whatnot, uh, because of this novelty of this virus, it passes very quickly from the respiratory system, if you don't treat it at that time, to then enter the blood system very quickly. And that's why now long haul is causing a myriad of problems in people that's very multi-systemic. So the, it can include immune dysregulation, microbiota disruption, which is basically gut disruption, autoimmunity, clotting and, clotting and endothelial abnormalities and dysfunctional neurological signaling, which basically means there's a lot of nervous system um, disorders happening. Uh, there's also, we're seeing more and more reactivation of viruses such as EBV, which is the Epstein-Beam virus. And these damages um, go from tissues to cells, to blood, to mucous membranes. Um, and it provides or it creates a, a very immune-mediated response and inflammation. So that's why it becomes this very systemic thing. So with children, uh, one of the first things we noticed very early on in 2020, which is for a subset of children, thankfully, is they started developing something called MISC, uh, multi-inflammatory syndrome in children. And this was where their entire system would basically really flare up with a lot of inflammation. And it was an emergency room kind of condition and they had to get stabilized in the hospital. So wow. now what we're seeing with adults is something like that. And some people can have really severe uh, multisystemic inflammation, even in adults, but a lot of people are just having like uh, shortness of breath, extreme fatigue, uh, muscle and joint pain, um, uh, digestive imbalances and dysfunction, uh, cognitive issues where they can't focus, they can't remember. Uh, POTS is another one. Yes. Postural ortho something. Orthostatic, Orthostatic. tachycardia syndrome. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Where laying or standing, they're just constantly dizzy, and especially the movement of going from sitting up to laying down, they get extremely dizzy. And so those are really coming out into the fore. And thankfully, more and more doctors are recognizing this as long haul, but there's still many uh, practitioners who say it's all in your head, unfortunately. So mm. poor long haul patients are really suffering where they're yes. not getting recognized and just seeing that, oh, this is something in your head. Right, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have observed that in, in my own practice too. Fatigue seems like a major symptom that is really impacting people's lives and quality of life. Yes. And fatigue is one of those symptoms that is, it's hard to quantify. It's hard to measure yep. and it's hard to treat too. So a lot of, a lot of these patients are left just trying to sort of figure things out on their own and, yes. and not getting a lot of guidance. So um, you mentioned you mentioned disease progression again in the blood level. So we'll put a pin in that too, because I want to get into that. Um, there's so much interesting Chinese medicine theory to discuss. Mm -hmm. um, going back to biomedicine, what's a typical biomedical approach to treating long COVID right now? Like what would, a, what would an MD typically prescribe? Uh, so what I found research wise is they kind of throw several different medical um, medicines to address the different systems that the patient is suffering from. So what I've heard is or what I've read is off label use of metformin, uh, Paxlovid. Paxlovid obviously is the drug of choice right now for when you catch COVID but they're also using it uh, post-COVID because it's an antiviral medication. But I'm understanding that Paxlovid is kind of getting um, out of use, so to speak, because they're noticing that it's not as effective for the current strain. Right. Uh, they're also using anti-inflammatory drugs uh, like low-dose naltrexone and beta blockers to slow heart rate and lower blood pressure, because that's another thing, right? There's a lot of this tachycardia, fast heart rate. Mm -hmm. going on in that um, dizziness pots, that type of stuff. But then if these don't work, or in conjunction with these medications, what long haul patients are uh, getting in terms of support biomedically, is there's uh, hospitals and, and um, uh, clinics popping up throughout the country where they focus on long haul. And specialists then do specific exercises. So they'll assess and target um, uh, uh, specific symptoms of the patient and ask uh, experts from those fields like neurologists, pulmonologists, cardiologists, behavioral therapists, their behavioral health therapists, speech language path pathologists, and so forth to provide either hands-on treatment, like certain exercises to do um, and practices, perhaps dietary recommendations, and then uh, those medications that they hope target the, the systems that are affecting the patients. Interesting. Well, it sounds like that sort of approach is really what's needed. Right. You know, something with something multi multifaceted and incorporating yes. a lot of different treatments, yes. including including acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And I, I would love to see our medicine incorporated into um, some of those clinics. Yes. Well, let's talk about the Chinese me medicine perspective now. Um, we you talked about disease progression and so for folks who are listening, we have, we have, who aren't acupuncturists and didn't go to acupuncture school, we have many, many um, sort of theories in Chinese medicine about how disease progresses through the body. And one of those theories that we utilize is sort of diseases moving from the exterior of the body to the interior. And the exterior body diseases invade through the skin or through the pores or through the mouth or the nose. And then if they don't get treated, they then progress deeper into ultimately the blood level, which can have wide reaching effects. And so it sounds like this is 
this is really the disease progression that you're seeing with long COVID starting exterior and then somehow progressing deeper and deeper where it's harder to treat and it causes more widespread symptoms. Is that what you're seeing? Correct. Yeah. So this disease progression comes from two, two, um, kind of like our Bible in Chinese medicine, two books called Chang Han Lun and Weng Bing. These are two theories of disease pathology. And Chang Han Lun is disease where we see what we call a cold pathogen that enters the body versus Weng Bing is the disease where hot pathogen enters the body. So in Chinese medicine, we understand that there's several different what we call pathogens that enter the body. There's hot pathogen, cold pathogen, wind pathogen, even damp pathogen. Uh, and then even emotions are a form of pathogen for us in Chinese medicine. So with uh, COVID, uh, this disease or SARS-CoV-2, the virus was very early on uh, recognized to be a cold pathogen. In China, they were doing, you know, all the Chinese medicine practitioners in China were carefully studying this. And it matches the, the definition of a cold pathogen because the patient who then experiences the symptoms are a typical what we call cold symptoms, right? The the, the flu, I mean, excuse me, fever, uh, perhaps headaches, you know, tight neck, coughing, and uh, so forth. Um, and the symptoms are uh, quite strong initially. Now it's because the virus is becoming much more widespread and it's weakening, so, you know, so-called, it's weakening, it's becoming more endemic. Uh, it's become weaker, so the symptoms are milder. But the way how this cold pathogen enters is, like you were saying, Alexa, it enters the sinus, the mucous membranes, right? The sinus, the eyes, the mouth. And then when, once it enters, for any kind of virus that enters uh, or cold pathogen that enters, we want to keep it from a Chinese medicine perspective in the head area, right? The runny nose, the the itchy eyes, uh, or not itchy eyes, that's allergy, excuse me, but uh, the runny nose, maybe the headache, slight fever. What we don't want it to progress is then enter the respiratory system, right? That causes the deeper coughing and the difficulty breathing and so forth. And so with uh, covid 19, a lot of people would go, the symptoms would go directly into the chest and then spread. If that isn't stopped or the body doesn't know how to stop this progression, then it's spread much more multisystemically throughout the whole body. And so by understanding how disease enters first in this mucous membrane layer, we have a lot of Chinese herbs that treat this mucous membrane layer, so to speak, which tend to be antivirals, uh, herbal antivirals that are more of the leaf, um, and twigs and fine, finer parts of a plant because it's lighter in nature than let's say a huge tree trunk or a root. And if you think of a tree, those roots is what really plants deep into the ground. And those types of root herbs are something you can use for digest, digestive problems or even some in the chest because the, the, the way how the uh, lung lobe uh, if you ever looked at a lung, it almost looks like roots that are going into the yes. chest. So some of these herbs that are a little bit more, what we say, deeper into the body, the root type um, or the deeper trunk type of herbs are really great. But yeah, so we have these herbs that really address these different layers of much more superficial versus a little bit interior to like deep into the organ systems. Mm -hmm. I, I love that aspect of Chinese herbs. 
just that um, it's so intuitive once you once you really think about it. Like you said, we use leaves and twigs to treat the lighter, more exterior parts of the body. I remember reading very early on in the pandemic that Guajertong was being used yes. as a formula to treat SARS-CoV-2. And Guajertong is cinnamon twig decoction. It's yes. a classic formula. And the the primary ingredient is cinnamon twigs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it has a warming effect and it expels the cold pathogen from the body. So it makes absolute sense that we would use that classic formula, even though SARS-CoV-2 is a novel virus. Right. We can use those theories that have been in place for thousands of years and they still work. Yes. Yeah. The the two main formulas I used uh, for that kind of antiviral aspect of COVID uh, even today um, is something called Sha Chai Hutang or mm-hmm. Chai Hu Guizhutang. So Sha Chai Hutang and Chai Hu Guizhutang both work on a, on a layer of the body in Chinese medicine called Shaoyang level. And it's this ability or this level, this pathway where disease either, so it's it's almost like a crossroads in the body. The body can decide, do I have the energy to push it out of the body completely and this person gets uh, better? Or do I not have the right um, resources to fight it? And then it starts to enter deeper into the body. So it's almost like a door where you can pivot inside or outside. And so these two formulas really address this very nuanced layer of disease where you want the body to be able to recognize this virus and fight it off completely so that it doesn't either linger in this kind of no man land or that it enters deeper into the body. And Chaihu Guizhutang is a derivative of Guizhutang, the cinnamon decoction. And one is used, Chaihu Guizhutang is used more for people who are a little bit of a weaker constitution, who tend to sweat too easily. Uh, who are of uh, thin uh, stature, generally speaking, and just the overall like a sensitive constitution, where someone who uh, is more robust, uh, larger in size, who have these much more stronger cold-like symptoms, Shai Chai Hutang is a great formula. So based on the patient coming to me, I would choose either Shai Chai Hutang or Chai Hu Guizhutang. And then an addition of different formulas, if they're having, let's say, digestive symptoms like that throwing up um, or or diarrhea or a lot of the loss of smell and taste that people were having early on with COVID and even now with long haul. Yeah, that uh, that Shaoyang layer of the body is really interesting. Very. And I feel like a lot of modern diseases that we that we help patients with fall into that category because they're hard to treat and they're hard to diagnose and it's it's this disease that sort of gets stuck in this in-between phase and so i think about things like um like epstein-barr virus which you mentioned or fibromyalgia or um you know, any number of digestive um, syndromes or autoimmune conditions. These are, these are, these are diseases that don't quite go away and they sort of hang out and then they'll flare up and then they'll calm back down again and then they'll flare up again. And our approach with Chinese medicine is to harmonize. And, And the way that I think of that is like, is that we support the body so that it can then deal with this pathogen that's stuck in this in-between phase. Correct, yeah. The way how I see long haul is, yes, it's a multi-systemic condition, but I I really treat it as an autoimmune disorder. 
because it mimics so many of these autoimmune conditions out there, right? The chronic fatigue syndrome, mm-hmm. um, uh, thy- thy- thyroiditis, whether hyper, hyper or hypo, uh, arthritis, uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, and um, MASC, all those types of very mm-hmm. inflammatory, systemic inflammatory conditions. And when you think about it, long haul is really where a pathogen came into the body and the body never got rid of it. So it's lingering in there and causing whatever symptoms that you're having. And so it's the Shaoyang's inability to push out, thrush, thrush forth the pathogen, pathogen that's been kind of lurking, hiding, doing its thing in the body. And so if we can give the body the necessary signals via anti-inflammation, um, getting rid of mucus and phlegm, which blankets the immune system so you can't the body can't recognize a lot of the viruses that are lingering and then if tonification you know strengthening the body's required you add some of those herbs and by clearing out the body of a lot of the inflammation then the body starts to get smart again because it's not bogged down with all the inflammation and the mucus and the phlegm and the whatnot and so these herbs really help to clear that out and gets the body to to do what it's supposed to do because our bodies are innately super intelligent is just with inflammation that it forgets many times what to do and we're really great at doing that is helping the body recognize how to be healthy again it's interesting that you mentioned mucus and phlegm sort of blanketing the body and the immune system can't recognize what's going on. I haven't really thought of it in that way, but it makes total sense because mucus and phlegm also cloud our breathing, our vision, our mental clarity. Yes. So of course it's going to cloud the body's own ability to recognize a pathogen. Yeah. So a lot of the herbs I use for long COVID patients, as well as COVID is a lot of these, what we call draining damp, clearing phlegm, uh, resolving phlegm and mucus. And even just by giving something like that, a formula, for example, like a urchintan or sanrentan, patients mm-hmm. just like so much better, feel so much better afterwards. And then I start fine tuning what may still be lingering and so I'll then combine like whether it's chai hutang or chai hutang or shaoyang formula with these phlegm clearing formulas to see what's really at the bottom of why this patient is suffering from long haul. Because we know that most of the people who get COVID, thankfully, don't turn into long haul. It is, well, 10%, as you said earlier in the, in the episode, uh, we surmise that it's 10%, although we think there's actually larger because a lot of people either don't recognize it or they don't report it. But there are people who do get COVID who completely recover and never get long haul. So the question always we have to ask is, why is someone getting long haul versus someone who is not when they both have COVID? Uh, So one of the things we like to do in the long haul COVID world here in the Chinese medicine world is really important to look at what state of health was this patient when they first got COVID or before they got COVID? Because everyone says, I was so healthy and now I have long haul. So from a biomedical point of view, they may have looked very healthy. But from a Chinese medicine point of view, we we are much more nuanced in how we see health. And so we can see the imbalances and the weaknesses in the patient. So inevitably, these patients that come to me with long haul is prior to COVID, they have, for example, a slightly weak digestion, or they already were prone to asthma, or they had what we call kidney deficiency, or they had a, what we call liver deficiency. So there are these kind of weak points in the body. And many times a patient will then also say when they recognize that this is long haul, they go, oh yeah, you know, when I was a child, I used to have asthma. Or when I was ah. a child, I used to have a lot of 
you know, let's say food sensitivities or digestive problems, right? And so SARS-CoV-2 loves to attack the weakest link. So we have to then in treating Chinese with Chinese herbs and Chinese medicine is to first, like I said, address that inflammation, get rid of the inflammation, get rid of the phlegm and mucus. But as that inflammation goes away, then we have to treat the infrastructure that was weak to begin with, with herbs that then strengthen, whether it's that lung system, the digestive system, you know, kidney kidney system, so forth. So we re- right. really try to patch up, not only patch up, but really fortify the infrastructure of the patient. So they never get long haul again, because getting COVID now is kind of going to become a reality of life, if not once or twice or multiple times. So we have to really strengthen the body that it can resist these really lingering, many times devastating long haul symptoms. Wow. So Something else that you write about that I th- that I think is related to everything that you're saying um, is the concept of a latent pathogenic factor. So let's talk about latent pathogenic factors. For what is a latent pathogenic factor? How do I know if I have one, and what do I do about it? Yeah, so latent pathogenic factor (LPF) it's basically like long COVID, like mm-hmm. these autoimmune conditions. So the way how I treat LPF or the way how I recognize LPF is a patient will come to me and they'll say, I have this symptom. I'm suffering from this symptom. And so of course I'll do history taking and, uh, and they'll, they'll kind of meander and they'll tell me this and that, but there's nothing really fine pointing that tells me, ah, it's this reason. So then I dig deeper and I say, did you ever have a strep throat? Did you ever get sick when this started or soon after your symptoms started? Were you sick? Did you have the stomach flu, food poisoning, you know, that kind of, some kind of infection. And then they'll think, and they'll think, oh, oh yeah, I, I did have a cold or yeah, I had a stomach flu. So or even a vaccine, right? If they if they had a vaccine, mm-hmm. whether COVID or otherwise. And so for me, that's the telltale sign of an LPF. Some kind of pathogen entered the body. And then whether because the patient was weak to begin with, or because this pathogen was too strong, like SARS-CoV-2, the body doesn't know how to fight it. So it enters the body and doesn't have the proper and strong immune response to kick it out of the system. So then it enters and burrows into the the kind of hiding spaces of the body, right? Like the lymph nodes, right? So a lot Mm. of patients will have swollen lymph nodes if they have uh, LPF or autoimmune conditions. And then whenever your immune system then is uh, depressed because of stress or some kind of trauma, it reactivates and causes these autoimmune flares, right? And Mm -hmm. long haul is one of them. When they seem to start to get better, they're like, oh, I'm starting to be able to walk more now. I can breathe better. So then they like, they don't do a marathon, but they push themselves a little too much and then boom, their symptoms flare up again. And that's what LP. PF, latent pathogenic factor, likes to do is it 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 likes to show its ugly face when the patient is weaker. Mm-hmm. That's how you know that you have an LPF is if you had either a vaccine or a some kind of infection that started it all and you've never been the same since. And so your approach is first of all making sure we clear out the pathogenic factors and then supplementing. The patient. Yeah. 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 We can supplement with herbs. We can supplement with acupuncture. We can supplement with something called moxibustion, which is the burning of a mugwort of a plant called mugwort. 
And this burning is more like radiant heat. So it's almost kind of like if you're sitting under a, one of those red uh, lights in a rotisserie chicken, you know, it's kind of like that radiant <laughs> heat, right? Infrared heat that warms the core of your body. Because many times with um, autoimmune conditions and these um, LPF symptoms and conditions is the patient is actually, even though they're very inflamed, internally, they're actually very deficient in cold is what we say in mm-hmm. Chinese medicine. And when you're cold, think about it in the winter, when you're cold, you don't want to move, you're kind of very sluggish, and even bears hibernate, right, to try and kind of save those their energy. And so that cold energy, that's very kind of inherent in someone who's highly inflamed, doesn't allow the immune system to recognize the inflammation properly, and keeps inflaming. So by ah. warming up the body internally via like moxibustion, like herbs, uh, maybe even sauna, some gentle exercises like Tai Chi or Qigong, when you can create this internal heat, then the body starts to literally start to wake up because you're no longer ice and frozen like in the ice ages, right? Mm-hmm. Come out of it, it's like springtime. Ah, now I can see kind of thing. And then the body recognizes, oh, look at this inflammation that's been going on for years. I got to tamp that down and get rid of it right? So there's a lot of herbs eventually, initially, when you get rid of this very obvious inflammation, then you start, many times have to start warming up the body with supplements with tonification and these warming techniques. Interesting. And, and that gets back to the, the original uh, type of pathogen when we're talking about SARS-CoV-2, it's a cold pathogen. Cold pathogen, yes. And then the cold just penetrates deeper and deeper into the body even though it produces sometimes symptoms of heat. That's that's what I love about Chinese medicine. One of the many things I love about Chinese medicine is like, we can, we can look at all these seemingly paradoxical mm-hmm. symptoms and we can make sense of them. Yeah, you know? like, absolutely. Yeah, there's cold and heat, heat. coexist yeah. in the body. Right. It doesn't, it's not one or the other. Right. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned a, you mentioned a few things: um, acupuncture, herbs, moxibustion, um, some warming techniques. Any other modalities that you recommend for treating long COVID, or or maybe any um, exercises like qi qigong? Any nutritional recommendations? Sure. So, you know, obviously, I would love for our listeners if you're suffering from long haul, or if you know a loved one. Uh, suffering from long haul, please seek a trained Chinese herbalist and or acupuncturist because we really know how to treat uh, long COVID. Uh, Unfortunately, China has had many epidemics over its thousands of years of existence. So Chinese medicine developed an exquisitely um, complex and sophisticated understanding of disease, especially epidemics and infectious disease. And so for those of us who've trained in understanding this, we know how to take a patient from the that initial very obvious strong symptoms that are really debilitating the patient to then get rid of that, but ultimately walk them out completely strong and healthy and even healthier than when they first started before COVID. And so I would definitely say seek, you know, if you can, a Chinese herbalist acupuncturist near you, uh, whether in person or in telemedicine. And if that's not available, or if you want to include other things, you can also do cupping, which is great. It's something you can do at home. Uh, When COVID first hit, uh, what I would do a lot for my COVID patients is I would so-called prescribe cupping sets to my patients. Mm, I'd mm -hmm. give them a particular link, and then they'll purchase it uh, through Amazon. And then the, the adult... Uh, if they're willing to be in the room with the patient, if or if they're already sick, right, for example, mm-hmm. uh, they would uh, cup the patient. 
or after they're no longer uh, COVID contagious, then the parent or the adult would then cup the so-called sick patient, recovering patient, and cup their back. And mm -hmm. what cupping does, and many people are becoming much more familiar with cupping now, is those red marks or dark marks that you see in a lot of athletes and, and mm -hmm. celebrities. So what <laughs> cupping does, um, in a nutshell, is kind of like giving someone a hickey. I mean, I joke that way, but it really <laughs> is, right? It's it's the, This cupping action is what uh, what is causing it sucking creating suction underneath this, this cup. And by creating suction, the, the, whether it's the phlegm, the mucus, the toxin, the inflammation is brought forth to the top layer of the skin. And when it's on the, on this, what we call the superficial skin layer, the body can better recognize it because our immune system, even though it's deep in our gut, as well as in our skin, our skin is our strongest organ. I mean, is our biggest organ and our first layer of defense. So if we can bring these toxicities and infections and inflammation to the skin surface, the body can either sweat it out or eventually poop it out, right? Or possibly even vomit it out. Those are the three ways Chinese medicine tries to heal diseases by sweating it out, pooping it out, or a little bit more hardcore, but vomiting it out. Like if you mm -hmm. have food poisoning, one of the best ways to get rid of it is vomiting, right? Yes. And so when it's when but when it's in the deeper layer of the organs and fascia, um, it's harder for the body to recognize it because it's just trying to stay alive, right? It's trying to stay functioning. But if it's on the top layer of the skin, or not layer of the skin, but if it's in the top layer of the body, the body is much more alert to say, ah, there's something going on here that I need to get rid of it. So cupping is a great way to bring that forth to the top layer of the skin. And then the patient can start to either sweat it out, like I said, or that kind of red marks or the dark marks is a sign like, oh, there's, it's not bruising per se, but it's this inflammatory response that the body then can properly process it via the lymphatic system and the pooping and the sweating. So lots of really lots of practical tools out there for folks yeah. who are, are suffering from long COVID. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about something else that you do in your practice, which is helping patients prepare their bodies to receive vaccines and mitigate the side effect of vaccines. And this can apply to childhood immunizations or adult vaccinations, including COVID vaccine. And you've designed a course for that. So tell me a little bit about this vaccine preparedness course. Sure. So when COVID hit and the EUAs came and, and so many schools throughout the country was mandating children to get vaccinated, I knew there was a lot of fear and anxiety for a lot of parents because it was an EUA, right? Uh, emergency Youth Authorization. Naturally, parents are concerned. So I wanted to alleviate a lot of this um, anxiety and fear that parents were having for their children or even for themselves to get vaccinated because we didn't we didn't know we, there wasn't enough data to understand what this vaccine could do. And because I've been treating children doing pediatrics since 2010, I've treated a lot of children either preparing for vaccines or post vaccines or sometimes, you know, vaccine reactions. Right. And so since I had a lot of this clinical experience treating children, I decided to turn my knowledge into a class so that any parent who uh, wants to or needs to vaccinate their child or themselves can have tools to help them prepare their or their child's body properly in a way that sh when they get the vaccine, the body can be alert to, mm -hmm. to deal with the vaccine uh, vaccination. So kind of going back to this whole Shanghan lung disease layer thing is normally when we get sick, 
it goes through the mucous membrane, then perhaps the respiratory system or the digestive system. And then if worse comes to worse, it becomes multisystemic, right? But there's layers where the body at all times knows how to properly fight an invading pathogen. But when you do a vaccine, it bypasses that and goes straight into the blood and muscle layer. So uh-huh. for a lot of people, they don't, the body doesn't, has a hard time recognizing it. And so for most people, they get the typical, you know, cold flu symptoms, right? The body aches, mm-hmm. the fever and whatnot. But for some people, unfortunately, they do have a much stronger immunological response to the vaccine. And so this class, what it does is I I teach patients or parents of what to do like a week before the vaccine to prepare the child's body, and then what to do, what to take, what to eat on the day of the vaccine, and then for about uh, seven days after the vaccine so that you're getting the body as strong and healthy as possible leading up to the vaccine. On the day of the vaccine, the body knows how to recognize what it's getting in the body and accepting the the messaging, so to speak, of the vaccine, but allowing the body to then get rid of any side effects or toxic reactions, and then supporting the body six to seven days later to make sure that there is no inflammation that continues. So that's the course I decided to provide for patients out there so that they can take it. That's great. And that's available on your website, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. We'll put links to that. I'm I'm so fascinated by this, and I'm going to take your course when it's time oh, for me to you. get my next COVID vaccine because I've had reactions to every COVID vaccine yes. and had the the fever and the chills and the night sweats and the body aches and headaches and right. all of that. And right. I've, I, my body has reacted pretty strongly every time. So uh, next time it's time for my booster, I'm going to definitely yeah. take your course and looking forward to that. But you know, that's actually a really good sign that your body does fight and have that reaction. You want your body to have a reaction when you have a vaccine. It's just how severe of a reaction, right? Mm. Because if you do get the fever, the the body aches and so forth, your immune system is doing what it's supposed to do because an right. uh, infection came into the body via the vaccination, right? If you had no symptoms, your immune system is either too weak or too perhaps bogged down with damp and flood mm. that it couldn't recognize it. And then that's when these flares and strong side effects, or even like, uh, what's it called? The Guerlain-Barr syndrome uh-huh. can happen, right? That's that's happened a lot with the COVID uh, vaccine and other yes. vaccines. So we do want people to have some form of immunological response because it tells us, oh, your immune response is doing what it's supposed to do. We just don't want it to be super strong, super debilitating and lasting. And my class right. helps to keep your body primed and aware to have the proper response without these long drawn out, uh, possibly severe symptoms. That's great. And so it can help your body to sort of make the most of the, exactly. of the vaccine. Yeah, that's great. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to add? I would love listeners to consider Asian medicine, Chinese medicine, really seek us out because we can help you all the symptoms that you're having, even if it's not COVID or long haul, if you're having more internal organ system stuff, acupuncture is known for like pain, right? Back pain, mm-hmm. headache, knee pain, that kind of pain. But our medicine is is literally thousands of years old and, and Chinese people had to treat people before the advent of biomedical um, uh, medicine coming into the world. Uh, or into China. So we have a a huge library and knowledge of treating internal medicine conditions, both adult and children. And so if you do have, you know, cardiovascular issues, respiratory, kidney issues, and for children, you know, uh, ADHD, seizures, cold, flu, tummy ache, 
food sensitivities, um, neurological, you know, the gamut, we know how to treat that using very gentle non, well, acupuncture is invasive, but not surgery type of, you know, invasive. We have non-invasive, gentle, natural medicine that if you seek a trained professional like acupuncturist, we can help you. And what I always like to tell patients, it's, it's not either or, or. Right. It's not just Chinese medicine. It's not just biomedical medicine. If you can combine the two, you get the best of both worlds. And many times my patients will say that when they started doing Chinese medicine, their biomedical treatments, whether it was drugs that they were taking or the therapies that started to work better, that they mm-hmm. eventually needed to use less and less of the medicines or visit their doctors less frequently until eventually they were able to wean off their medications or only on a need by basis and then just kind of touch up with Chinese medicine. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, the Rico, if people are interested in learning more from you or working with you via telemedicine, because you are seeing patients via telemedicine, is that correct? Uh, So where can people find you? Yes. Uh, So my website is www.iashiwellness. And let me spell that. It's I-Y-A-S as in Sam H-I wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S dot com. I have an online scheduler that you can link, uh, you can uh, book appointments for telemedicine, whether for adults or children. Um, and again, this can be for COVID, long haul, or any other, you know, internal medicine conditions that you need uh, help with. I'm happy to help that way. And for people who want to see you in person, you're in Southern California, correct? Los Angeles. Okay. And the same website with the same uh, scheduler online is where you can book appointments. And so if there's an opening, please find yourself a slot and I'd love to help you. And so like Alexa was saying, I treat primarily moms and children. That's my specialty. I'm not, honestly, I'm not super great with orthopedics, pain, that kind of stuff. There's other people who are trained for that, but for internal medicine, for moms and for children, I'm your gal. Excellent. Well, Larico, this has been such an enlightening conversation. I just really appreciate you joining me and educating me and our listeners all about how Chinese medicine can help folks with long COVID. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Notes from Your Acupuncturist. If you liked what you heard, please follow this show, leave a rating or review, or just tell someone about it. And if you want to join the conversation, you can subscribe to Notes from Your Acupuncturist on Substack, where you can comment, ask questions, participate in discussion threads, watch videos, and read more of my reflections on acupuncture and healing. Huge thanks, as always, to our paid subscribers for helping keep this work sustainable. You, too, can become a paid subscriber for just a few dollars a month. Just head over to substack.com and search notes from your acupuncturist or click the link in the show notes. Until next time, this is Alexa Bradley-Hulsey, your acupuncturist, signing off with love and gratitude.